Good morning. I want to greet each one in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I am fighting a seasonal cold, so if you see me yawning or tears running, it's not because you guys or anything like that. So if the Lord's help, we'll get through this and may we all be blessed. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to dive in there and uh, I decided to skip over Daniel 4. Um, I looked at that in a message January of 2020 a little bit, and so I might dive into that later, but for this morning we're going to go to Daniel chapter 5. So in Daniel chapter 4, we have the arrogant king who thinks he's invincible and that he's built his great kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. And only God is able to bring along someone who can help him interpret that dream that the king has. The dream was warning him that if he doesn't give God glory for what, he, for, for what Nebuchadnezzar had, that he was going to be put in his place, as he would say. We know that the king forgets his dream forgets the warning, and God judges him. But God is merciful. He puts him back on his throne. So that's the setup coming into the chapter 5 here of Daniel. What's interesting, I was looking up different timelines to try to figure out how much time had passed. Um, but most likely it was somewhere around 40 to 45 years had passed from the time when Nebuchadnezzar had been driven out, treated like an animal, lived like an animal for a time. After Nebuchadnezzar was put back on his throne, he would serve for another approximately 20 years before he died. Then there was some debate about what all took place. The history isn't real clear, but they believe that Belshazzar was probably the third king after Nebuchadnezzar. And that approximately, like I said, approximately 40 years had taken place. So we'll pick up here in Daniel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So as I mentioned in my last message, when you have a cycles of prosperity and cycles of difficulty, they lead to different things. And one of the things that prosperity leads to, as we look back on world history, is lavish Living, And I believe that's what we see here with Belshazzar. 
looking at the history, Nebuchadnezzar had to go out and fight quite a few wars, and he kept having to go and subdue nations to, to have the power and the prosperity that the Babylonian Empire had. Now this is 50 or 60 years later, and as far as I know, Belshazzar didn't have to do that. He had an easy life. He had riches, he had power. But what he didn't know is that the, it was about to come to an end. And in that prosperity and lavish living, he had completely forgotten about God, the God that his, the Bible, in the Bible here it talks about father, some would think that Nebuchadnezzar probably more likely was maybe Belshazzar's grandfather. He should have known, he should have remembered, and we'll get into that later as we look here through Daniel chapter 5. But this night, this party he's holding, he crosses a line. He says to go get the vessels that were taken out of this temple. And instead of remembering the God of whose the temple was dedicated to, he instead praised the gods, false gods, false idols. And so it's obvious that he had lost any reverence that his grandfather may have had towards the one true God. Verse 5, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick, against the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing, and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in the wise king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in him and his lords were astonished. At this time, they believed that there were actually a number of temples there in the city of Babylon. And that would go back to and make sense with when it talks about that they gave honor to different gods, the gods of stone and wood and gold and silver. They had all these, these, these temples there. So in a sense, they were religious, but they were not. They had totally forgotten the God of Daniel, the one true God, the God of Israel. And even though Belshazzar had so much power and basically could command anyone to do anything in his kingdom, when he saw this handwriting on the wall, he was afraid. There was something in him that recognized that this was not natural. It was a supernatural event. And yet, interestingly enough, it still did not remind him of God. But rather, he was afraid. And I think that happens even today when there are people who should remember that there is a God in heaven. If they've lived their life, 
for their own pleasures and times get tough or they get into a pinch. They, they fear, but they, it's rare that they turn back to God. And he started doing just like his father, his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had done and brought in the magicians and the Chaldeans and his wise men to tell him the meaning of this. But just like with Nebuchadnezzar, they could not help him. So we'll, take, we'll pick up here at verse 10. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, thy, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians and astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit of, and knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. It's fascinating here that the queen was not part of this party, was not enjoying this banquet with the king and his wives and concubines. You would think she would have been there. So was she someone who was more noble and not caught up in all this? But once, most likely she was not a believer, but yet something in her reminded her, God used her to bring the interpretation to King Belshazzar. No, she didn't know the interpretation, but she was part of God's plan. She remembered what God had done through Daniel, and so she told the king about this. So we'll pick up there, verse 13. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and wisdom, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought before me, they, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, and that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. The king brings in Daniel. Now it's fascinating that it had said that his, he had brought a thousand lords together. Don't know for sure, but I believe we can assume that these were some of the most powerful men in the kingdom. And yet Daniel was not among them. Was it because of his belief in God, his obedience to God? Or was it that he had actually fallen out of favor with the king? And I, would, I believe that's a better assumption is that there had been a change of kings, two or three, to get to Belshazzar from the time of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel was no longer in his position of power. 
Otherwise, the king, the king most likely would have remembered Daniel and would not have had to be reminded of it. So Daniel was not a part of this. He had lost his power, but yet God was going to use this situation to once again show the, the uniqueness of the God of Daniel. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and majesty, and glory, and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages, trembled and feared before him, whom he would, whom he would he slew and whom he would be kept alive, and whom he would be set up, and whom he would be put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him, and he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. And they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet like the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointedeth over it whomsoever he will. So Daniel even brings up the story that it, the, the incident that had taken place 40 years before to remind the king Belshazzar of what God is able to do. That even as he seems, he feels like he's an all powerful king, that he can do anything, yet there was a God that all men and women must answer to, must stand before. It's also interesting, it would also imply that the, the king did not know Daniel very well if he thought he could bribe him. Daniel had never been one that could be bribed. Daniel would do what God called him and asked him to do. It's interesting as we think about stepping back a moment from this story and thinking about how God had used the Babylonian Empire to punish the nation of Israel. And yet he still held the kings of Babylon responsible for their own actions, as he did with Nebuchadnezzar, as he did with our story today with Belshazzar. And how it's encouraging to me when I see what's happening in our world around us, when it seems like powerful people are able to get away with whatever they want to, it seems like. And yet, here in the scriptures, we're reminded that even though God used terrible people, powerful people, evil people, to bring about his purposes either in this life or in the next, they will be judged for their actions, and we don't have to worry about it. We're not called to bring about that judgment. Even as God would use Daniel here in this story to make clear what was going to happen, Daniel was not the one that was to do it. It was not up to Daniel to kill the king. God would use other men to do that. So even as we have wars going on right now, 
God using Putin to bring judgment to Europe and maybe even to America. And yet someday, whether in a year or 20 years, Putin will also be brought to judgment. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to be concerned about standing up to Putin or to whoever. We'll pick up at verse 24. Daniel then gives the interpretation of the writing on the wall. And then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tekel aparsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And when we think about leaders and nations today, I wish that they would all read Daniel 5 and stand in fear of God, recognizing that God has put them there, but that he also can remove them. And I think it could be said of every nation on earth that is founded and put in place by man that they could also, the same thing could be said about them, that God has numbered their kingdoms, their nations. Some will be finished soon, some may last a while. The leaders that believe that they are all powerful, that they can do great things, if you weigh their lives and their actions in a balance, they will be found wanting because they're not giving the honor and glory to God. And that someday the kingdoms will all fall under the power of Jesus. And we're so grateful for that. And so as believers around the world today face difficulties, they can take comfort in the idea that God is still on the throne, just as he was back here with Daniel, and that he will judge the nations and the kingdoms. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom being about three score and two years. So Daniel did receive praise and honor. He was given basically a king's robe and given a gold necklace and made the third rule in a kingdom, but that wasn't really what Daniel was after, and it wouldn't have done any good anyway because the kingdom was over that night. Belshazzar was killed. And it, it reminds us, too, that we may think that if we build up something big and powerful, that it can carry us through for a long time, but yet we are, we are human, we're fragile, and today may be our last day. We need to recognize who God is and honor him. I just wanted to go quickly through Daniel 6 this morning. We know it, the story well of Daniel in the lion's den. And so I'm just going to look at a few verses in a couple places. 
I just thought it tied in well with what happened here to Daniel and Belshazzar in chapter 5. How Daniel could have been a bitter man. He could have tried to raise up rebellions against Belshazzar, against Nebuchadnezzar. And yet, just as we are called today as believers to pay taxes, to honor the governments that are over us as much as we can, yet no matter who is over us, we are called to be first obedient to God and then to honor the kingdoms. If Daniel had been an influential power broker in the kingdom of Babylon, he probably would not have been made the high position that he was with King Darius. So I'm just going to read the first four, four, first four verses of chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set up over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage or nothing to worry about. Daniel would take care of it. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presence of princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. How was this possible that Daniel, with all the ups and the downs, good fortunes and bad fortunes, that he still had a spirit of humility, of accountability, of honoring whoever was in power to such an extent that Daniel, or that uh, Darius put him above all the others. But then as we think about what happened to Daniel, it, it, it would make sense why these princes would be upset with Daniel. Is it possible? I don't know for sure. But it's possible that some of these princes and rulers that were put under Daniel may have been some of the same young men that were trained up at the time when Daniel was. And yet each time they thought they might have power or position, Daniel would steal their power and their thunder, you could say. When they were boys, teenagers or whatever, they lost their good food and drink that they enjoyed and had to eat the kosher food of Daniel and his Jewish friends. A few years later, when Nebuchadnezzar had his first dream, yes, they almost lost their lives, but in the end, Daniel was given power over the province of Babylon. And even though he bowed out of that opportunity for incredible power, he gave it to his Jewish friends. So here were foreigners usurping power in the kingdom of Babylon. When the king had another dream, they once again could not convince the king that they knew the interpretation of, and Daniel was called. At the end of the Babylonian Empire, they could not tell the interpretation of the handwriting, and so once again Daniel was given power and riches. 
And now that a new kingdom was ruling Babylon, Daniel had even more power, and to a foreigner, no less. And so I think we can see a lot of the reasons why these men would have been so bitter and angry. Even though it doesn't appear that Daniel ever misused his power or reveled in it, they were bitter and angry about it. The Bible doesn't really call Daniel a humble man, but yet it appears that he would have to be to have only gone up to the next position when asked to. He never sought it out. It appeared that he obeyed the rulers that God put over him as long as they didn't cause him to sin or violate God's law. And that's one of the things that I need to be challenged by and learn from that when rulers over me do things that I don't like, am I still willing to submit and obey them, pay the taxes, however high they are, as long as they don't ask me to violate God's law? And we are most likely headed into difficult times in the future because of God's judgment on our nation, but yet... We can learn from Daniel that we shouldn't start rebellions. It never looks like he ever started any rebellions against the nations that were holding his people in exile. He didn't have bitter attitudes towards them, but he honored them. And then go to verse 19 of chapter 6. After the time in the lion's den... It seems like it would have been very easy for Daniel to be upset with the king. The king was supposed to be his friend, his boss that he respected, worked well with. But yet this king had thrown him in the lion's den. And it would have been easy to be bitter and upset with the king. But we don't see that at all. Verse 19, then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king. And this is what's amazed me as I looked at this story again. He, he, he wasn't angry with the king, but he said, O king, live forever, or basically... You know, God bless your kingship, your time, however long God gives you. My God hath sent an angel and has shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. He trusted God through the most difficult times. Here he was, living in a foreign land, having a lot of difficult times, ups and downs, like I said before. And yet, Daniel's spirit and attitude was one of accepting whatever God brought to him. And then verses 25 through 27, the king 
wrote unto all, then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, he worketh signs and wonders in the heaven and in the earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Because of Daniel's obedience and Daniel's humility, a heathen, why well, I say in quotation marks, a heathen king who did not worship God as far as we know, a heathen king glorified God. It was because of Daniel's spirit and Daniel's total trust in God that God would use the most unlikely people to honor and glorify him. In a few years following this incident here in chapter 6, the Jews would begin to, some of the Jews would begin to return to the land of Israel. They would begin to rebuild their city and their temple. But as far as we know, Daniel and many of the other exiled Jews would never return to their land. They would die in their places where they had been taken against their will. But yet we have an incredible example of faithfulness of God in that he did as he promised and he brought them back to the land. In closing, and there's just a few verses here that I thought summed up Daniel's life and his obedience to God. You can write these down if you want to to go back later. But Proverbs 16:4, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of day of evil. God used Nebuchadnezzar, he used Belshazzar, he used Darius and other rulers that kept the Jews exiled. He used them for his purpose and glory. 1 Corinthians 10:31, wherefore whether Therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And from what we see of Daniel's life, that's the way he lived. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And I believe we see that from Daniel's life that... He was obedient, he served, but yet he did it as unto the Lord. And last verse, last, uh, I, I just felt like the most fitting one here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And that was true of Daniel's life, and may it be true of ours. The Lord bless each one of you.